Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also the co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the reviews editor for Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And check us out on Twitter at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to Mortar Tunes on iTunes. And on Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. All right, this week on More to Come... Uh, Jessica Jones makes her debut. Subscription ebooks, uh, or subscription e comics, and streaming media. DK3 and Warner Brothers. Events and Cyber Monday shopping. So, Jessica Jones, who's seen it? Who hasn't? Well, I'm not finished with it yet. Yeah. So, uh, but I've seen about seven episodes. So, okay, well, yeah, you guys? Well, I- I've seen the first episode, and it certainly seems to be getting. Great reviews. Yes. Uh, yes. As I read around. So, Kate, wait, have you seen? Have I've you, seen about half an episode. Okay. How, what now? Why only half? Um, because my life is very busy right now, and I was like, "This will eat my brain, <laughs> and I need to wait." Okay. Well, 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 you know, one thing I wanted to hear from you because I mean, it, this is this is grim, dark yeah. superhero. Yeah. You know, I would say that it's. <laughs> It's not lighthearted. It's not lighthearted. It's not lighthearted. And I I am not, I don't have a problem with um, darker superhero things necessarily. Um, But I do feel that this one carried it off a little better than Daredevil. I feel like Daredevil had all the dark and none of the complexity, which is fine. It, It worked as Daredevil. But if you want like a little more emotional richness, this seems to be hitting that. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen about half of it, I guess. So uh, it definitely kind of varies in quality. It is... Now, who read the original comic? Because... See, I, the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not good because she's a, a hero that kind of was developed kind of uh, after a lot of my superhero interests mm-hmm. lapsed. Uh, so I've had to catch up by reading Wikipedia in many cases to catch up on who the hero is and her origins and all that. So I'm not the person to ask about that. Right, right. But I mean, well, you haven't read it. I, I mean, read that's it. all. I mean, you know, yes, I haven't I read it. That's the long answer. It's very rare for me to read a Marvel comic, but I actually had read that one uh, a while ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did read the original comic. But you know, I love the intersection of the characters. Mm-hmm. I certainly read Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've actually, I was curious to see this thing coming along. Now, I will say this. Um, I, I've seen much more of the Daredevil, and I liked it. Mm. Um, I'm not quite ready yet to say that this is more uh, a more complex uh, character. That I'm not saying a more case. complex character. I'm just mm. saying that the writing is more emotionally no, complex as yeah. a whole. No, that a that whole. may be the case. Um, I do think that you know there it does what contemporary media has to do today. It's ultra uh, and dementedly violent. It doesn't. Okay, I would just okay. I would not say that it's that media today has to be ultra violent. I will say that there's no shortage of things yeah. that are ultra violent. Well, there are plenty I, of things that aren't ultra violent. Let me be clear, it, and this is just my opinion. I do believe that pop media today, to really be uh, an explosive mass market hit, almost certainly if it's if it's dramatically, uh, you know, it's not a comedy. Um, 
uh, it's it's got a ratchet to violent off the scale. Violence well, now are, are the Flash the and Arrow ultraviolent? No, but those are you know once again. I mean, that, certainly the Flash is fairly the, the Flash from what I've seen of it, and I haven't seen all the episodes. Is basically tongue in cheek. Arrow, I hear, is very different. Arrow is not tongue in cheek, but it is not ultraviolent. Okay. It's, well, you know what, you guys, uh, you have only seen, <laughs> you know, I've seen way more of it than you guys I'm have. I'm not talking yeah. about, I'm not talking know, about Jessica Jones. I'm I know. talking about, yeah, I'm talking about yeah. media, media in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, because I have to tell you, Jessica Jones is definitely not, there is violence in it, but I, I, well, I don't know, maybe I'm forgetting, you know, I mean, I watch Walking Dead all the time, so, uh, <laughs> you know, and Fargo, by the way, oh my God, oh. I wish we could talk about Fargo, because that's the greatest <laughs> TV show of the last, you know, since yeah. Breaking Bad went off the air, but anyway, which is ultra, ultra, ultra violent. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know, I, Jessica Jones didn't strike me as being ultra violent it's ultra daring I mean there's a lot of things that happen in there that mm-hmm. uh, I've not ever seen in, in a superhero uh, story before including um, I mean I don't want to spoil it for you guys but uh, let's just say a lot of very controversial topics and it's uh, the theme is very germane I mean I'm sure everybody knows that the, the main storyline is about uh, Jessica Jones who's kind of a failed superhero yeah. and then she was uh, her mind controlled by uh, the purple man aka Kilgrave and mm. you know the story's about her vengeance against that and uh, you know, it's a very, very timely story, actually, because uh, of all, everything going on about, um, you know, male violence against women, about stalking, about, um, you know, all of those mm-hmm. things. And it uh, definitely has a lot of resonance to that. Now, I, 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 it's, it's uneven. There's some episodes where you'll be screaming like, oh, my God, nothing happens. But you kind of have to plunge past that because it definitely has picked up. Um, I mean, I think, you know, based on, you know, we should definitely talk more about it after we've all finished it, I guess. But um, I think Big Takeaway is another big win for oh, yeah. Marvel Netflix, oh, yeah. you know, and and certainly great introduction for the character of Luke Cage. Um, they're one of the supporting yeah. characters is actually uh, Hellcat, although she's called um, Trish. She's, she's called Trish Walker, not Cat Patsy Walker, but, uh, you know, kind of an interesting take on her. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, I've been enjoying it. I haven't been binge watching it, but, uh, I have been watching it. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I, I'm going to watch more. I mean, my, yeah. my sort of feeble criticisms were merely, I didn't want that to suggest that I wasn't interested in the show. Uh, there are so many things about it that I like, including, uh, uh, the actress who's, who's playing Jessica Jones. She's a good ch- me. She, uh. Kristen Ryder. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, I was impressed with her. I was impressed with the uh, the Luke Cage character, and I'm and I'm anxious to see how they recreate this relationship uh, on screen. And well, there's a big twist. Okay, well, (laughs) throw that in. There sort of was a a fair amount of sex. Yes, there was a lot of sex. Yeah, and and more positions than you usually see in most TV sex. There's a lot of. It's definitely like kind of almost like the Lifetime, you know, murder like Deadly Women sort of. I think it kind of fits in a little bit. It's definitely it's definitely aimed at women. Yeah. I mean, it definitely yeah. has a lot of the tropes of but superheroes I, and private eyes, like you know, gender flopped. That's true. But I have to tell you, the elevator scene, and I won't say what it is. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, I'm just right. saying. You I'm know, just saying. Have you ever watched Deadly Women? No. Oh like my the, god! Like it's, no. it's. I don't watch as much television as either of you or of my lovely wife. Yeah. Or I don't watch as much interesting TV. I watch a lot of sports. <laughs> But I try to be. I try to pick it up where I can. Well, all I will say is, <laughs> it is always really funny when men are like, "Well, 
you know, it's for women, so obviously it won't have sex in it. And like you have not, <laughs> I you know, know, right? You have not watched I've, women's media I or read to, uh, women's uh, media no, like no, ever. No, wait, Kate, have you ever seen Deadly Women? I have not. Okay, but you know, I mean, oh, these yeah. murder shows are like softcore pornography, and you know what? They are my husband's favorite shows. I mean, if it's on, <laughs> he can't stop watching them. Oh. Okay, I'm just telling you, well, go on Lifetime. You're gonna be surprised. <laughs> Okay, well, I, but but yes, Kate, great point. Yes, oh, high, high fives all around the office here. So that's why it always particularly amuses me when like men are looking at romance novels and being like, "Ha ha, it's so funny." It's like what grandma reads, and I'm like, yeah, "Well, grandma's well, reading. Grandma's so having pretty, a good time. Yeah, grandma's got a real spice rack there." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so we should talk more about it after we've all seen it. After we've all finished, we'll yeah, be returning. I, I want to but, see more. But you know, one thing about Netflix is uh, about Jessica Jones is that's example of a new streaming TV show. Streaming is taking over television, and uh, you know, we ran a couple of articles. There's some stuff going on. Is streaming taking? over comics as well um well you know i wouldn't say it's taking over but certainly we had a piece uh last week uh by rob salkowitz that sort of just surveyed the uh digital subscription i mean obviously digital subscription has been a big issue in publishing in general and it's certainly come home to the comics industry too and and rob just sort of went over the various services that are out there and what they offered and looked at any wrinkles or possible conflicts, market conflicts down the road. Um, most uh, uh, particularly, he kind of started off with Marvel Unlimited. In some ways, the oldest, kind mm-hmm. of the granddaddy of them all. Right. Um, you know, I forget what it is, nine ninety nine a month. And you or have- $69 per year. Yes, okay, along those lines. And it's like uh, you, you get access to thousands of Marvel. Yeah, the, the, the 69, issues. that's the price of 10 comic books, yeah. so it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> including, um, uh, and they've, they've even upgraded it now. You can get kind of fan-favorite stuff. You can get um, toys and whatnot, uh, new issues. I think you can even get some of the Star Wars comics through it. Um, you can, I mean, okay, I will say that although they give you the six-month gap, um, all the Star Wars series are being run. In, mm-hmm. in you know comic form are run on um, there, but uh, you know I think um, but we but he also went down all the services. For instance, you know Archie Comics has just launched mm-hmm. a new app in uh, conjunction with Madefire, which is doing the technical uh, mm-hmm. kind of in the back end of it. Um, after Comicsology has kind of withdrawn a bit from the white label um, part of the business, uh, once again it's offering you know access to thousands of comics for seven ninety nine a month, something like that. Uh, and he went down the line. Scrib, the uh, the broader ebook subscription service, launched with ten thousand you know um, uh, titles in the comics category. And they call it one of the most intense uh, comics. Readers, some of the most intense users of the service, and we and we kind of finished up with Comic Blitz, the new kid on the block. Um, you know, they kind of think that they have an inroads because they're purely about comics. Uh, they've created a new reader specifically just for reading at comics on an app, and so really we're going to have you know see where this plays out but what was most interesting probably about the article was that he looked at Disney Life this is a new service that's only available in the UK mm. um doesn't include Star Wars or the Marvel comics um and they talked a great deal which i found interesting um uh the, uh, the Marvel side and even uh what's his name Bob Iger mm-hmm. at Disney about 
going direct to consumer about avoiding middlemen, avoiding retailers. This is very interesting. Um, obviously, uh, someone like Disney can do this, can sort of blink at Amazon. I mean, who else could they be talking about? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, not too many publishers can. Right. Well, Dark Horse tried for a long time, uh, exactly. and they finally gave in. But Disney uh, kind of has that kind of destination Mm-hmm. Um, site and clout. Well, Disney loves developing its own stuff yeah. in the house. Uh, you know, the first uh, internet boom back in the 90s, they did a lot of, uh, they did their own online, they did their own interactive, and it all failed. But, uh, you know, it's a very different world now. I think they figured it out a little bit. So, um, you know, that's interesting. That's that's definitely interesting. You know, I remember, as far as all this goes, I remember something, and I'm sure I've quoted this on the show before, certainly I've quoted it on the beat, but I remember something that Milton uh, Greep said at his ICV2 conference at New York Comic Con when he did his little state of the industry. He talked about digital sales being a bit flat. You know, and he mentioned all these uh, up-and-coming streaming services. Everybody would like to be the Netflix of comics. But he mentioned that, you know, if this were a dominant model, maybe more. Marvel Unlimited would be bigger than it is. And, you know, given that they mm-hmm. don't do day and date, obviously, there's a big handicap to it. But I mean, I th- you know... But then I th- again, uh, Netflix doesn't do day and date. That's right. That's right. But they do have, um, you know, we do have a lot of uh, new models coming up. And I think there's a lot, but I think we should look at, uh, you know, it's interesting to look at what's already been and see well, just what part of the... Part of the um, yeah, and I, I should say also that Rob did leave out one service, and mostly because of space, Crunchyroll, mm-hmm. uh, on the manga mm-hmm. and anime side. Um, and and Crunchyroll has the advantage that it isn't just comics. It also brings yeah. in it brings, video, mm-hmm. not just anime, but like live action the whole things J-pop from yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. K-dramas and gay yeah. dramas from yeah. Korea yeah. and Japan. Well, it's a lot of material that really isn't available anywhere It's very else. hard to find yes. elsewhere. And yes. they also offer, for limited titles, simultaneous Japanese and English mm-hmm. publication. Which is quite something. Which is always, which is right. key, a key element in most... Well, of all, the, all of this is really... I mean, I'm not... You know, I wasn't saying that necessarily to poo-poo it, but I'm just... It's yeah. obviously going to be a model. And, right. uh, and you know, Kate, yours, uh, I believe that there is... Uh, other countries are looking at it as well. Yes. Uh, interestingly... But can I just interject one thing very very quickly, mm-hmm. it's a model for the future, but it has shown some bumpy, uh, some bumps yeah. in the road, particularly doing Scrib, the romance category. Yes. Scrib oh, was yeah. Pretty much decimated because basically people read too many. Uh, romance readers are voracious. Uh, the, you know, uh, subscription is based on the, the health club model. The whole idea is. People are going to sign Lazy. up, and they're not going to use. Yeah, romance. Some people are right. not going to use. It. Now so I, we'll see. and I also understand. I've heard from quite a, you know, I, I, it's the, it has a. It's not that lucrative yet, just because of exactly what you're saying. Okay, so it's like as soon as you know a certain level is reached, um, you know, it, it takes it takes a while to be profitable. And this is what yeah. I'm saying. So it's it's it, 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 you're right. It's definitely not there yet. Yeah. Anyway, excuse me, Kate. Okay. Yes. So, um, sort of tying back into the Jessica Jones thing, and also into literal Netflix, um, Alibaba, which is sort of like China's eBay dash Amazon has decided to go into the graphic story adapt- video adaptation thing themselves. Um, they are adapting live-action dramas based on Japanese manga for the Chinese audience. And the first one will be Dragon Zakura, about a motorcycle gang member turned lawyer who coaches underperforming students. Right, right. So, you know, <laughs> lots of fodder there. Fodder, grist for the mill, the old mill. Yes. Yes. Um, well, definitely more to come yes. on that. Uh, now, you know, just talking about, um, you know, the Flash versus uh, 
um, versus Jessica Jones. <laughs> Jessica Jones. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk. Now, we're just, as a matter of fact, uh, as we're recording this, we've yet to see it, but the, there's a t- the trailer for Batman versus Superman is debuting mm. uh, later tonight as we're recording this. And, and uh, uh, there was a promo there, clip, there which was we a did little, see. There's a little promo clip. And now, one of the uh, more to come panelists uh, blurted out. As as we <laughs> viewed it here, one who should remain nameless just blurted out, uh, it looks like a bad fan film. Now, uh, <coughs> I won't say who that was just to protect uh, re- re- recriminations. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it wasn't very well received. And, I mean, uh, another panelist. Yeah, I mean, I'm, look, I, I, you know, I personally, I try not to let trailers, to, uh, you know, completely shake my uh, desire to see a film. Oh, yeah. You see good trailers and then the movie's bad. You see bad trailers and oh, then yeah. the movie's good. Now, wait a minute, Kelvin. Yeah. What was a movie that had a bad trailer that was You know good? what? I, I, and there's one right in there, my yeah, mind yeah, okay. right now. Um, this, was, this was a few years back, but it's my example. and Because I, I can't remember the name. It was with Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin. Forget what it is. I forget the name of the movie. Um, it was, I, I have one for you. Boomerang. I, the trailer was awful. Boomerang. I, I can't remember what the name was. The, the, the trailer was awful. The movie was hilarious. I have, it, I, it's happened before. I have two examples for okay. you. Pacific Rim. Terrible, okay. terrible okay. trailer. Right. If you watch the trailer, you'd think it had no humans in it. That's right. That's right. Um, people were, you know, like the, the basically the word of mouth was, no, no, really, it has humans in it. It's got a plot. Um and Jupiter Sending, which I saw that trailer. I was like, this is going to be terrible. I don't want to watch it. Yeah. And I watched it. It was a lot of fun. Now, you know, most but people think t- Jupiter. Oh, I'm sorry. But, well, but I mean, the people who, even the people who did like the movie mm-hmm. didn't like the trailer. I know. So it really, a bad trailer can hurt. But uh, I, listen, I'm not saying, I actually like Zack Snyder's films. I think he's a f- really good filmmaker with a excellent sense of action and, uh, and certainly makes very interesting looking films I know a lot of people are still angry about Man of Steel and it looks from the looks of this little teaser we've seen where Superman is menacing a manacled Batman and you know with Nazis bowing down to him uh, it's sort of following up on the idea that Superman is a dick um, <laughs> but uh, I predict it will be a dream sequence because it's all sepia it looked very dreamlike didn't it yes it could very well be a dream sequence but I will say that what got me about it Aside from the visual clunkiness was, okay, and the pacing was the design aesthetic, which is something which will carry through to the actual, the actual movie. Like what, if, if you see it in the, if that, like it's going to look like that, like the Batman costume looked Frank Millery, let's put it that way, which I don't think translates well in the real world. On actual humans, but that's well, just me. Yeah, um, that's I've, and you know, the movie may be far better than this. I'm just saying, like as a piece of marketing, as a piece of marketing. marketing when I look at this, it doesn't make if me want to see the movie. If they wanted to get people talking about the movie, they did succeed. So see, perhaps it was successful. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much you can you can take about pacing from 39 seconds. I'm well, not, I'm not saying that Calvin, the, we're not saying the anything about scene. the movie. Calvin, we're talking we're about talking the, tra- about talking the about teaser. teaser. That's what I'm talking about. I don't see how you can uh, even come up with pacing for a 39-second trailer. Clearly, you have never video edited. Well, I mean, I, I'm not saying it doesn't have pacing, but I'm not sure you well, can... What did you at- think of the trailer? I thought it the was te- fine for a trailer. Okay, the teaser. Pardon me. I the thought teaser. it was. A, I thought yeah, it's not even a full trailer. I thought it was. I thought it was uh, perplexing. I thought. Um, uh, I thought once again it had pretty good uh, superhero physics, which I think uh, was one of the things that came out of the last out of Man of Steel. Probably the best, maybe one of the Whoop-de-doo. best things about the movie. Well, I, you know what? A lot of people do think uh, the physics of. Um, 
mean, the cinematography and superhero movies is, is kind of important. And I thought Man of Steel had the best I'd ever seen of the of the physics of being a superhero, or certainly of Superman's. Um, and you know, there's an air of goofy mystery around the whole thing. So we'll that see. looks like a dream because it's in CPM. And maybe it is. Uh, well, you know, the reason why we bring this up <laughs> is, uh, you know, speaking of Frank Miller, we do want to talk about Dark Knight Three as well, which the first issue just debuted. But, uh, the, but last week there was a story in Variety. Actually, there was a cover story in their weekly print edition uh, with a beautiful illustration by uh, Arkikoa Johnson of uh, Kevin Sujahara, the head of Warner Brothers, uh, toppling off the. <laughs> the uh, Warner Brothers facade. Oh, so, dear. Yeah, so basically, I mean, this is what the trades have been drumming up, and we've been talking about it for quite a while. You know, Warner Brothers is in a lot of trouble. No, no, they're not in a lot of trouble. They're having a couple of down years. Let's yeah. just say that the current regime is definitely being... Um, it has know, some issues. Under less scrutiny. So uh, there was a sidebar where they talked to Ben Affleck and asked him about Batman and Super. He says, he's, he says yes, there is a lot of pressure on this movie and, uh, you know, an insane amount of pressure for this movie to do well. And, and I mean, it's already been reported that Sujahara watches it over and over again, you know, seeing what a good movie it is. So uh, it's so much is tied up in this because, uh, you, you know, the, uh, another aspect of the article was that uh, Warner Brothers is really kicking it in TV. And this was... Uh, tied to a very True. positive part of yes. what Sujahara has done at Warner Brothers um, in that he's allowing TV to steal ideas away from movies and develop them because movies really have a hard time doing it uh, with superheroes. Well, so, I mean, I think, I think TV is good for storylines that take longer to develop, you know? So you don't have to have every movie feel like a build-up to every other movie, which ticks people off if it takes a few years to get to the storyline. Um, so, you know, I, I think... That's a smart move. Right. I think it some is. stories are yeah. better suited to the TV and, screen. And I mean, certainly the CW should be named the uh, the DCWB. Boy, <laughs> I, I'll mean, say. I mean, I think, the DCW. I mean, it's like, I, wow. Yeah, I will say, I think DC is really hitting a sweet spot yeah. with their their yeah. uh, superhero TV shows lately. Yeah. Lately, they're batting on. I mean, like, yeah. no problem. Yeah, and I mean, even when people are in at odds about them, I mean, once again, everybody's talking about their properties. Yeah. Now, I just want to point out that the uh, trailer for Captain America Civil War also debuted mm-hmm. last week and has already racked up 40 million views, <laughs> which but is the most of any superhero movie trailer teaser ever. You know, they introduced Black Panther, and, uh, you know, now this is a mature movie franchise. This yeah. is a very mature thing that's been going on for a decade and in a decade has built up a pretty good fan base. So, um, but uh, the pressure is on uh, for Warner Brothers, definitely. I mean, they definitely need to get this established. And, uh, you know, the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. And now Dark Knight 3 for DC Comics also. Yes. Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit. Certainly people I've been talking to. Can we spoil people, Heidi? Sure, we can. I think it's out, Let's you know. Do. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I couldn't finish reading it. But, uh, you know, that's just me. I, I have a hard you time know, reading superhero comics. I liked it. I, what can I say? I really kind of liked it. I thought it gave you... It's, it's obviously a, a new dimension of uh, the Superman Wonder Woman you know I look I even read the, the crazy romance series the uh, Superman Wonder Woman yeah I even read that 
So this seemed this actually seemed to step up from that, frankly. Um, That's not hard. I mean, there you go. Uh, I actually <laughs> like. I, I think there's some spectacular visuals in it, uh, uh, thanks to Andy Kubert, mm. um, done in a sort of uh, hybrid Frank Miller voice with some gestures toward Frank Millerisms. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see where it goes. Yeah. So, how do you feel about the Carrie Kelly thing? I have no problem with the Kerry Kelly. Uh, I'm anxious to see more. I mean, it's interesting. I, I mean, I haven't really heard much from her since the original Dark Knight. So, whatever. What, I mean, was she? No, she was. was a, she in other? Uh, no, she was kept to the Millerverse because oh. the Miller three is a yeah. sort of an Elseworld story. I mean, yeah. it's not. That's been established. You know, my understanding is that this whole Kerry Kelly idea was was part of the main reason for doing Dark Knight three because it yeah. seemed like the logical next step in the story. Certainly, a lot of stuff. You know, I have to say. Uh, looking at the book, uh, the preview pages that I saw by Kubert uh, didn't impress me that much. It certainly didn't look very much like even Greg the Miller. fight with the Minotaur. Yeah, but no, I think the actual book looked a lot better. I think I, I think it looked, it looked a I lot better because I think Andy uh, Andy Kubert does not draw like and, uh, Frank Miller, no. and but then uh, him does. trying well, to well, draw like right Frank now he Miller, draws a lot better. But yeah, <laughs> but uh, I think you know I, it's it's difficult, and of course Miller's been actually kind of doing the rounds of interviews now and saying some very interesting things about well, the book that he's going to do Dark Knight Four. Yeah. And, but also, I mean, look, we're talking about Frank Miller, a fairly right-wing guy. You know what? And but that you know what? I'm going to stop really. that. And you know how I often say things mm. that are, uh, I say on the podcast that I wouldn't put in print. So this is one of them. Um, I think the ideas that Frank Miller is a right-winger is a misconception because of certain things that uh, I'll just say this: we don't know who actually was controlling his Twitter feed or controlling his social media when those statements were made. I'm not talking about stuff that he said over his social okay. media. I'm talking about stuff he said to me as, okay. as an interviewer of him. Okay. Um, now, I mean, he's welcome to his opinions. Uh, you know, I've heard the, you know, the NPR piece that he did that he's very famous about. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm boycotting Frank Miller or anything. You know, I still think he's kind of one of our great comic book artists. But I found, say, I mean, I don't want to throw out spoilers, but I found, say, the opening of, uh, un, uh, of Dark Knight 3 very unexpected. Because it's essentially uh, a recreation of Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, you know, I'm just, I'm telling you. And I said, I'm, good for him. Look, I'm just going to say this. I think, that, uh, I think that Frank has been through quite a bit through the past few years. And uh, I'm not certain that he was really. I mean, he's a very complex individual, and, well, and I, I know I'm he not, made some of these okay. statements, but there is a lot going on. At yeah. the well, time, I mean, so I, I, so I should. I, I'm just saying, if you read his previous work, like this, this mm. element isn't really that surprising. It's more like maybe this middle period happened. Well, so. yeah. well, well I, that, I also that, think that, that may be the case. Well, yeah. also, what you're missing is that our political spectrum is more complex than a simple right-left as as done by the usual political pundits. There's a very large chunk of conservative and quasi-conservative thought that is very suspicious of the government and very uh, concerned about the police and individual liberties. So That's I can true. see how someone who had those tendencies, which we've seen in some of his previous work... Um, if they're open-minded enough to apply it to other races or other cultures, might well say, "Yeah, actually, I'm on board with Black Lives yeah. Matter." Well, yeah, well, I'm, 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 I, I couldn't agree with you more, and mm-hmm. I do think our, our politics can be more complex than, say, uh, Donald Trump presents it to be. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that's where this fits and in. And more often that is the case. Uh, but, but, in, but I'm really saying all of this in tribute to Miller because I think um, I haven't always been blown away by some of his more recent work. And I, after the first page, I was flipping On board. pages all through that book, mm-hmm. well, including Wonder Woman's characterization well, the, in a scene that you have, I have never seen in a mainstream well, comic book. Obviously, I need to re- finish reading this book. So, uh, you know, if you know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, so I need to finish this book. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's great. I'm not sure how much of it is Frank Miller because now he's uh, saying that it's all Brian Azzarello yeah, who did that well, thing. So, get, well, props to, to, to Brian. Whoever yeah. did it. Yes, and yes. I will say this. I mean... Um, Obviously, Brian has done a lot of, uh, of great work, and I give him credit. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him yeah. all credit. Well, I, mean, I want to see the next. Well, uh, Dark Knight Three is as important to yeah. DC as Batman versus Superman is to Warner Brothers. So uh, <laughs> you know, I will be very curious on Monday. The first uh, sales figures will come out, and we'll know whether yeah. this sold well, enough to pull them out of their little certainly hyped to in. the mountaintops. Yes, I mean, it uh, has. It had a so, billion, you know, variant covers. It had uh, everything. So yeah. So all right. Um, well, uh, let's segue very quickly to events here, and um, uh, there's a number of things we can talk about it. I'm going to talk about particularly the Miami Book Fair. Right, Calvin got to go Um, to Miami. They held the weekend of November, what is it, 21st and 22nd. My first uh, time there, I mean, this is one of the great book fairs. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, the, The fair itself... Uh, it's based at the Miami-Dade College in downtown Miami. And that, that sort of lasts, I think, three days. But really, it's a series of events that goes on for about two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's all huge. Around it's it's definitely one of the biggest uh, books. It, it's you know, amazing. And uh, in Miami, of all places. Uh, so. Yes, and believe me, that's not a small draw. No. <laughs> Miami, it certainly never... doesn't hurt. To, I mean, like, not a lot of famous book-related things take place somewhere warm and sunny with beaches. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's a big... Uh, I went a couple, two years ago. I, I think mm. it's a big appeal for uh, for publishers and, and guests. And for authors. Certainly. But, I mean, it's... Lo- I mean, you know, locals. I mean, it is yeah. local people who oh. go to the events. Well, I mean, it, it, it yeah. goes in both directions. Like, there's yeah. not a lot of the stuff mm. going on in Florida, which right. is great for the guests, but it's also great for people from Florida. Yeah. But also, I don't think I've ever seen a, uh, a festival with so many authors speaking on just constantly at all times i mean once the programming start starts it's really amazing uh and in fact there's a hospitality suite in the middle in the that takes over the library at the college and i spent you know i I call it the world's most incredible high school cafeteria it is everybody hangs out there (laughs) and every table is for the cool kids i mean you sit in there (laughs) Every you sit in there, and you can just you can just marvel at the authors that walk by and hang out, and you know, you know, steal cookies, and yeah. you know, yeah. And it I is. had one of the most amazing conversations with a bunch of uh, Latino Miami journalists, uh, just on the nature of diversity. We were just sitting at the table, you know, chowing down, yeah, and a fabulous conversation. So. Um, I was invited down uh, to do moderate in two days. Um, it, they had an amazing um, uh, uh, programming schedule uh, that, as I understand, was put all put together by Lisette Mendez, who is, I think, is kind of the 
Madam Chair of the whole thing. But I didn't realize that she actually put the comics programming together. Oh. Because I assumed it was one of the usual subjects. Right, right. But it was not. No, they don't. No, uh, no. Although Lisa, I, I believe Lisa Joan Hilty involved in some way. The, well, yes, yes Joan, Joan Hilty was one of the moderators. Right. Uh, I was a moderator. Bill Kay, Bill Cardalopoulos was mm-hmm. a moderator. Um, there were others. Uh, I think Charlie, Koch, Charlie Kochman uh, moderated a, a live radio interview with a couple of his authors, Durf, uh, talking about trash, and John Leguizamo, mm-hmm. Leguizamo uh, talking about his uh, graphic uh, memoir. Uh, if I may add, um, Leguizamo is probably one of the nicest stars uh, I've ever been around. We all went out and had dinner afterwards, and... You know, we just sat around and talked about the Mets, the Knicks, and, um, you know. Celebrities, they're and, just and, like and, us. And, yeah. They're Knicks wow. fans. They're some Knicks fans. Um, uh, but just very quickly, I just want to, some of the artists here, I interviewed Bill Griffith about uh, his memoir, Invisible Ink. Um, Corey Doctorow and Scott McCloud the next day. Gabrielle <laughs> Bell, uh, Jennifer Hayden, Joan Hilty, Leah Hayes was there. Durf, uh, I mentioned that. Julia Froer, I cannot say her name. Froer. Froer, very good know. young cartoonist. Anders Nielsen. I could go on and on, and apparently I am. Well, it is, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's really quite. It's it's great to go down there as a guest. I gotta say, oh, it's and like, it's really one of the big perks. And uh, unless Calvin, did you get caught in a rainstorm? I did get caught in a rainstorm, but you know what? Who cares? Oh, You're God. in Miami. Well, you didn't have the horrible drenching rain at the there's the big yes, party. Did. Sets. did you get like we got it? Yes, it was a horrible rain. But you know yeah. what? I just I just yeah. went back to the well, hospitality suite. And, and yeah, well, another well, I was stuck on the beach in a horror rain, <laughs> oh, well, so there was idea. survival issues involved, and you know, people huddling together for safety. But anyway, you know, it's a fun time with danger added. So, and well, it's in we my were going to go to the beach, but it started raining first. Yeah, so, I didn't so get a you chance cleverly, to go, clever. So. Well, good. You you avoided one of the essential. Uh, but I, uh, I had the great I, when I wasn't hanging in the hospitality suite. I was hanging at the swamp. Which is, I don't know if they had it when you were down there, no. but it's a parking lot with an incredible sort of amphitheater building at one end where they do – where basically when it rains, they move everything in there. But they have draft beer, a bookstore, <laughs> and a performance thing right there and picnic tables in the parking lot. Why would you go anywhere else? Yeah. I spent Sunday afternoon – Sitting there and basically holding court. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. It, it really is a fun just time. Fabulous, great so, authors. Yeah, uh, beautiful weather most. And of it's time. just a, I mean it's a huge event. I mean it's oh, really like it's, it's just a, you know it's a, just a great great yeah. book event. But um, I went this very same weekend. I mean there were seventy thousand other events apparently about books and comics that weekend. But um, I was at the New Jersey Comic Expo, New Jersey, Edison, New Jersey. Yeah. Not quite the same as Miami. Maybe just a little bit different. Um, some <laughs> aspects think? are very uh, almost the opposite, one might say. <laughs> uh, but well, uh, being, you know, cold. Yes, and gray, and on Route 22, and you're in Edison. But uh, you know what? It was uh, it was the first East Coast event by uh, Mad Events. They put on the Long Beach Comic Expo, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a good time. And I, I wrote a long piece about it for the Beat, so I, I, I refer people to there because I asked, you know, there's too many Comic Cons, and I said, do we really need another one? But then I was like there was uh, and it wasn't booming like people didn't make any money I, I heard that over and over again everybody came but there was a good crowd they came to look and maybe next year they'll bring some money to spend things so it was kind of like the in, uh, opening territory and I, I got to moderate a panel with Chris Claremont, Louise Simonson, and Walt Simonson talking all about the X-Men, you know, and how, where it came from. And, I mean, that was pretty, that sure. was pretty awesome. I mean, those three are just amazing raconteurs. So, 
um, you know, it's great to listen to them talk. And, uh, you know, there's the Comic-Cons are, there's still life in that their format. But mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, I also received word that uh, Wizard World, which threw yeah. 26 events this year, uh, oh, they yeah. just put out their publicly traded, so they just put out their uh, financial report for the third quarter, and it looked like they were kind of profits were uh, were good down a bit. I mean, not disastrously. They still make millions of dollars, but just down a bit. And uh, then I heard that they had laid off some people, and it looks like it's a little hard to tell. They're not that forthcoming about their entire schedule, but it looks like they are cutting back next year from uh, some so, territories such as uh, Des, Mo- Des Moines and Las Vegas, which is really hard to throw shows in, mm-hmm. and um, some other... Las sm- Vegas is hard to throw shows in. Absolutely. It's too much competition. There's never been a successful mm-hmm. Comic-Con in Las Vegas. Interesting. Yes, and they've mm-hmm. tried many, many times. Same thing for Miami, actually. They've tried to throw Comic-Con. There's Supercon, but it's mm-hmm. there's too much else to do. You know, yeah. There's just too much else to do. Um, um, what's interesting is they said that they had profitable live events in Philadelphia, Chicago, New Orleans, Columbus, Portland, Nashville, Austin, Sacramento, Louisville, Minneapolis, Tulsa, Reno, and St. Louis, which kind of implies that the other places were not profitable. Right, and they had another 10 shows. So you can yeah. kind of do the math there, and, you know, the, yeah. we're going to see. Everybody wants to get another convention business. We're just seeing that all over the place. And there's just not as much, you know, it's a, it's a tough only business. only so many people. I, the world's a wild man fisher. It's a tough business. And uh, not everybody's going to make it. And I think that we're going to see, we're, we're going to see 2016, we're going to have a lot to talk about on this podcast. Yeah. I guarantee you yeah, that. We because see you to be hitting the saturation point it's, yeah. uh, yes. with, with comic festivals. Regardless of what size they are, yes. I mean, every weekend yes. it's getting to be. Yes, I mean, I mean, I think what interested me about you know going to the New Jersey show, and you know, I was a guest there, so I probably would not have gone otherwise. In fact, I know for a fact I would not have gone to Edison, New Jersey, had I not been uh, a guest. You know, a guest. Uh, but uh, it did seem like this is. Uh, virgin territory a little bit and I mean it's a local show it's not going to be a yeah. super show no, no. Mm-hmm. you know it's a, it's a show for the locals that and let's face it New York Comic Con is a super show but there's oh, so yeah. much going on you know they had some really great guest lists they had Jim Lee they had John Cassidy they had Garth Ennis they had a lot of uh, Ivan Rice they had a lot of top level people that at New York Comic Con you could only dream of getting near them mm-hmm. and here it was a very easy task yeah, so to, I think those yeah. kind of like well like, that's the benefit that yes. these small yes, shows and I, and I also just I, I want to throw in there again that uh, the, the, the people it's run by Martha Donato and uh, she has a great crew and I just it was so well run I mean it was uh, and, and that is a huge thing that there was you know there was good food there was uh, you know good vendors there was a lot of really great exhibitors and uh, a lot to, for people to do and I think that's what I mean look a lot of people like Wizard Worlds uh, a lot of people don't like Wizard World. <laughs> well, I will you know? say that Wizard World now is not what Wizard World was ten years ago. No, well, this is no, because no. Low, uh, what is way down the list on? Yeah. What well, I, I know, I mean. but it's even more so. Like yeah. I remember before New York Comic Con was a thing, the the biggest con we had around here was Wizard World Philly. That's right. And That's um, right. I went for a few years, and it was a very very different place after New York Comic Con came. Into our market. I used to go, and that was an amazing show. It that was. was a really fun time. It you, was a great I've show. Heard that too it was about, a lot of fun. But what it is yeah. now is is just it's it's like Big Apple Comic Con that's five times the size. It's more like it's more like a Creation Con that's that's a little bit bigger, 
and modernized. And I hear Creation is coming back with the whole series, but they're yeah. under a different name as well. Creation cons are more about autographs. You know, I looked up, mm. when I wrote about this, I wrote, looked up, I mean, if you like Norman Reedus, which apparently everybody does, uh, like there's a VIP experience for Norman Reedus, and it's like $349. Now, you know, for $349, I uh, expect some V in my P, you know what I'm saying? But uh, apparently all you get is like a three-second photo op and an autograph, and you know. And I mean, I'm not even saying that against uh, Ritas, who by all accounts is really lovely to his fans and yeah. really, you know, yeah. is a Jeff very... Jeff said it's an expensive it's an ex- package. It's an expensive package, yes. And, uh, you know, like Bruce Campbell's $200 and, and uh, I mean... Like Ric Flair's $200. Who, you know, I, I, I've met this? all these people for free, okay? Yeah, I mean, that who, was I the mean, golden age. I mean, I will say, Heidi, though, that you, you have a lot more access than the average I met them at Barnes fan. & Noble. I mean, <laughs> come on. That's where I met them. I mean... I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I'm not. I'm not in this space. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I. I'm. I'm. I'm here. I'm. I'm about publishing. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, and artists yeah. and writers. Well, I. I love that, but I also. I am. I am mostly a comics fan, but I'm also a media fan. But I guess it's just my personality that I'm just happy to see them. You know, my favorite actors or or show writers up on a panel. Like I don't. Yeah. Like, and if I if someone happens to be available for a free signing, then sure. But. Like, I'm not going to stand in line for more than half an hour, and I'm not going to pay yeah. money. Yeah, and I mean, no. let me tell you, at the New Jersey Comic Expo, they had a few nerd liberties there. Uh, there was, um, like, uh, Chase Masterson was there, and Dre Mateo, and then somebody whose name I can't remember, because that's how big they are. But um, uh, they had two of the cast members from the Daredevil TV show who were not huge players. They were, like, amongst the cast. And, I mean, those guys were big comics fans, and they were just, you know, hanging out in the bar all night Saturday. Uh getting drunk and just hanging out i mean so you know you didn't it was very it was a very uh intimate time so yeah Yeah. but uh but but anyway the but i i pointed this out as the heidi theorem number five okay is that comic cons never stayed just comics they always uh adapted to other things and so well actually i would say the comic fests tend to stay comics and they are a form of comic con yes now what is this yeah yes the the festivals yes comic festivals they just we don't see that happening Mm. with comic with the comics are no but what although maybe in san jose that you know well well we'll see what happens with that but um you know it it, yes that's a very good point and and those uh, are forms of comic that's yes they are but they're also a subset of what they are considered the traditional even so yeah the that that I mean, I don't see that happening with the Cavs. I mean, it's interesting shows like that I haven't been to, but I whatever like uh, what Wonderama and like those. They they're, they they. Well, I mean, they were smaller. They're getting so big now that they right. they're becoming but, media. But cons see too, what I'm I try- okay. What I'm trying to point out is that there are some comic cons that go back about thirty years. Like mm. you know, San Diego goes back forty years. WonderCon is thirty years old. Uh, HeroesCon is thirty years old. Okay. Yeah. So if you look at all these conventions, like historically. What happens to these cons is they bec- they become broader and broader. Okay, yeah. Yeah. and the reason why I'm pointing that out is that we have a world where there's so many different kinds of events, and you have never seen that happen with romance con, or mm-hmm. mystery con, or science fiction con. No. I mean, Comic Con has become the thing that somehow, for some reason, expands. And of course, the CAFs are absolutely more focused on comics. I'm just saying historically the the trend yeah. and. And so, I mean, there's always been autograph shows as well. So, mm. but but with Wizard World, you see them taking on the name of a Comic Con, even though that's not what they are. So, yeah, it's like they're reverse engineering yes. San Diego. Yes, exactly. exactly. Only the mm. worst parts of San yeah. Diego. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a lot 
more to come yeah. on uh, all of this yeah, stuff absolutely. in 2016. So oh, there's no, yeah. no doubt. And now, just looking back a little bit on uh, the shopping oh. week that yes. was. Yes. yes. I had a very fine shopping week. How about you guys? <laughs> yeah, I did, man. Um, it was pretty cool. Like, we just went online and I looked at all this stuff and just bought things. And let me tell you, in my apartment building on Tuesday, there was like, you could barely walk into the building because there were so many boxes. I mean, it's just like like the uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you know, Small Business Saturday, Giving Tuesday. It's a whole week of spending now, which is the American way. But uh, obviously, uh, I, I was reading that, that cyber shopping far over, or no, I don't know by far, but it overtook it, in-person person shopping this Black Friday. Um, and then also, they're saying a lot of it is people were using their mobile devices to comparison shop. They were not necessarily buying things on their phone, but they were in a store, and then like they're, they're tracking Hell the pattern. Yeah. People are in the store, and then before they buy a thing, they check online, see if they can get a better price online Hell before they yeah. buy it in the well, this store. Is, this is and a long-time this time practice, pl- and there yeah. are many apps to and do some, it. True, and yeah. but, I mean, some it's stores yeah. block, oh, absolutely. by the absolutely. way, some That's stores the way you shop block mm-hmm. Amazon. Yeah, some stores are trying to do that. Certainly, independent bookstores seem to spend an enormous amount of time worrying about showrooming. There, there is a name for it. Actually, showrooming. Yeah. It's called showrooming. Uh, you, you, you take your uh, your price app and you go into. But the fact is, I mean, independent bookstores complain about it. But the fact is, Americans have been shopping like this now for about the last four or five years. What they're saying and is, they, it's it's hit a critical. Like they were mm-hmm. actually tracking the uh, mobile usage. During mm. a people of all these major stores over uh, Black Friday, and like it has reached new heights, well, new heights no as, as Grandma has yeah. figured out how to do it too. Yes, everybody can do it. And, and yeah. listen, Grandma is it, hella motivated, all right? right. Don't she put is. down Grandma. I am not putting down Grandma. No. I'm just saying that like the people no. who are not the early adopters, the people who are the late adopters, like my dad, can now comparison yeah. shop on In their phones. Fact, the new physical Amazon store in Seattle. Is designed to let you showroom. Yeah. You have to have a you have to have a cell phone to actually find out the price of things because there aren't any prices on it. The prices are the same as on the store, so you have to look on a monitor or on your cell phone to yeah. actually get the price. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I, I will say it's a that, fact of life. Um, I I got some comic bargains, and my rule of Cyber Monday and Black Friday is I only buy things I was going to buy anyway, but I buy more things because I can afford them because they're cheaper. Yes. <laughs> and it, it I got most of my Christmas shopping done and some of those com- some of those were comics. Midtown Comics actually had a pretty good sale on their website. Only I noticed that strategically certain things they almost always have in stock were allowed to go out of stock. Oh. So yeah, so you you did get your Darth Vader comic for 70% off if you, you know, got one of the 10 they had. <laughs> um, well, this is a classic. Th- that's know. classic yeah. Black I mean, Friday. Right. For who yeah. who yeah. can blame this them? This is an incredible um, thing. We only have two, but you, know, you can get it for you can get a really good price if you. While want. supplies last. Exactly. Well, I actually, I actually don't do any of the, this stuff because it's a day off, and I'm not going to spend my day off. No, shopping. that's fine. However, I usually on Small Business Saturday, I usually do go out, but I didn't this year for reasons I can't even comprehend of. I usually try to go to yeah. some kind of independent bookstore and buy something. Yeah, well, fortunately, I did not do that this year. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it's I think for a lot of people, it's kind of a nice day out, especially yeah. if you strategically pick the time when the early birds have gone home and the sleepy people uh, have not gotten out yet. Um, and so my aunt and I hit Barnes and Noble as well as other places, and I scavenged around in their comic department. 
for myself and fellow comic readers. Well, there you go. And, you know, certainly, you know, Comixology had a big sale. Yes. Graphics had a big sale. Like, just about, you know, artists had sales. Individual yeah. artists had oh, sales. Oh, yeah, that's and, great. And, yeah. uh, All kinds you know, of small websites had sales. had a sale. Yeah, it was really, like, a time. There was, there was a ton. And to... speaking of comics and Barnes & Noble, just in, like, the last four or five months since I was there last, um, they've really expanded their graphic novel section. They've well, added, they did. They, they did. did. They, oh, yeah. oh, that they was did. a big news story. Over the big, no, but yeah, I mean, I mean it's a, you often see this news and they're like, oh yeah, and you no, think, no, wait, how many have, Barnes & Nobles do they do this in? But I'm telling it. you that yeah. like in, in typical Allentown, Pennsylvania, yeah. Barnes & Noble, regular recipe Barnes & Noble, like there's a lot more comics. Well, I, I mean, look, you can walk into the Union. I walked into the Union Square Barnes & Noble, their headquarters store, after they made that announcement and I was blown away. I mean, that store had great shelf space for comics already. I was blown away. I don't know if you've been in there. No, not since then. I was blown away by the 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 shelf the running shelving of oh. comics mm. that they have there it's pretty amazing and, and you know we've talked we to could bo- never have books a million which is a you know another yeah, uh, yeah. and they yes. also have I wish they'd uh, move into our territory have, come uh, on expanded books quite a bit so <laughs> yes. so you know listen physical sales of comic books are not going anywhere yeah, you know, no, they no, are no, absolutely no, no, not. No. There was no evidence whatsoever that that no. physical uh, well, sales. Speaking of, of which, of comics it's are, not exactly a Black Friday thing, but I think a lot of people are taking advantage of it. Is I notice that Image, I think, as part of their whole like uh, story arc trade, story arc trade program, their first trades of a lot of their big hits are now coming out at only like ten dollars. Hmm. So I know that I personally, a couple things I've been thinking about, I like snatched up at that low low ten dollar sure. price and then online they were advertising i don't know if it was for black friday or just in general now as a sale when i was sniffing around on the image site going do i want to buy a digital one for my friend or do i want to buy a physical one that they were uh marking down their quote-unquote digital trades uh-huh and they were very reasonably yeah. priced. Yeah, yeah. No, they had a big sale as well. Well, so. yeah, Comixology had had a Black Friday sale and they had a Cyber Monday sale. Yeah. And most of the Black Friday sales continued into and, Cyber Monday. And there was also a local comic book shop day on Saturday, yes. which, which had some differing uh, differing yes. results, as I heard. But uh, I haven't actually really followed up on that to find out how it did. But, uh, you know, Diamond is attempting to have a third kind of shopping holiday for comics. And, um, you know... Uh, the, the, the they're trying. To, they're trying to tie in with Small Business Saturday, I guess. Only yeah, yes, exactly. It's no, all tied that's, in, yeah. that's exactly what it was. Yeah, it was a, yeah. totally tied that's into why Small I, Business. I, actually, I forget because I do like to get out and get in, and I was going to go out to a, go to a, a bookstore or a comic shop, but I, and I just didn't get it. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's you're okay. But, it's it's a yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never but, left yeah, the house. I've had a different day. I only millions left, of other people. I only left the house to run out and get the complete Star Wars saga because it was. We decided it was time to rewatch it. So there you go. <laughs> well, the complete and I saga, went, and including I the prequels. And then I showroomed it when I went to make sure that's I was getting the right That's what price. it's all about. That's yeah. what it's all about. Damn. The technology, <coughs> you got to use it. If you got it, you will use it. Mm, indeed. Um, so I think we can segue into the news briefs now. It is now brief time. Speaking of publishers and uh, physical comics purchases versus other models, uh, Locust Moon... The famous Philadelphia comic store, which also then became a crowd-funded publishing sensation with their little Nemo, Dream Another Dream, has announced that they are closing their physical store. 
they are going out of retail and going strictly into publishing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know all the reasons. I'm actually going to talk with Josh um, uh, in the next day or two and see if I can put a story together. But There may be more to come on this. Yeah, I think there will be. Um, well, I mean, from I never got to the store. I was going to go down this year, but wasn't able to get to their you festival. You don't live in Philadelphia. Have, but what an incredible, I mean, they've had such an incredible run. I think it's like six years old or something like that. Uh, it has such a great reputation. Uh, there's not only the publishing side of it, but they have their own festival that's held kind of over Halloween weekend. I wonder if they'll still hold the festival. They might. Yeah, that, 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 I, I will find out all of these things. So return to publishersweekly.com slash yeah. comics in and a week or two. And I mean, this does follow up, though, on the closing of Bergen Street Comics. Yes, and, you know, Despite yes. what we were just saying about yes. um, about physical comics not going anywhere, I mean, that's two pretty much indie graphic novel-focused shops closing down pretty prominent stores. Yeah. And so, you know, and conti- but continue with publishing programs yes. too. So Very they're not getting out of comics entirely, but uh, you know, it's interesting. And and I think that the both factors uh, were. I, I I understand from talking to some people that Philadelphia is just a tough town mm. in general for retail, uh, and really a is. tough town. Period. Yeah, you so, can say. Uh, you so, could um, say. you know, I think there's. I'd uh, be interested to hear what Josh and, yeah. and everyone has to say about that. So yeah. anyway, well, we 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 miss you, Locust Moon. Yeah, already. Okay. So, in some foreign news, Rosa Versailles is getting more Lady Oscar chapters, which, uh, okay, rewind here. (laughs) Rosa Versailles is uh, Japan's classic, beloved shoujo manga that blazed the way for uh, things like Utena and for for just shoujo as you know it now. Great. And... Um, basically, for decades, uh, Ryoko Ikeda, the author, had sort of stayed away from touching her masterwork. But over the last few years, she's put out a few side stories. Now she is going to be publishing um, in Shueisha a story s- sequence about her main character, Lady Oscar, and it will be serialized and coming out throughout this year. All right. Good. A classic returns. A classic returns. And Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting because uh, Rosa Versailles is scheduled for an English translation this year. And so it'll be interesting to see whether her new work in this universe will be bundled into that. Very cool. Okay. And speaking of Japan, we've had a lot of best of lists and sales lists in the United States market. But here, interestingly enough, is a best-selling comics list from Japan. So their top selling manga for 2015, starting at from least popular to most popular of the top 10, is Tokyo Ghoul reissue. Prison School Volume 6 is numbered 9. Terraformers 12. Food Wars Chujeki Shoma. I love Food Wars. Ah, Food Wars. (laughs) I love Food Wars. It's crazy. Yeah, the cover has a, a... picture of someone looking very fierce while holding out a plate of fish to the reader. Uh, Haikyuu, issue 14. Kingdom, issue 19. Assassination Classroom, issue 12. Whoa, that's a creepy Cheshire cat cover. Uh, Attack on Titan, issue 15. Seven Deadly Sins, issue 13. And, of course, number one is One Piece, issue 76. One Piece just always seems to top every chart. Didn't it sell, like, you know, 20 million copies? Or I mean, It sold 
14 million copies. Fourteen million copies is an awful lot. It is. It, it is. Especially Amazing. given when you look at uh, the population of Japan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just quickly throwing in there, we didn't have this on the story sheet, but uh, R.I.P. Uh, Shigeru Mizuki, one of the all-time oh, yes, great manga artists. Yes. He was a treasure in, his national, in, yes. his, in Japan. He pretty much invented the yokai genre, yes. which mm-hmm. was about scary monsters and, and little kids and, and stuff like that, that yeah. which is, you know, carried on, obviously, in a lot of, of our... Kind of seen as the precursor of Pokemon, even, mm-hmm. in a way. And he also contributed to the Gekika. He was a World War II veteran who lost mm-hmm. his arm. Um, and wrote about it in Onward Towards Our Noble's Death, yeah. uh, an amazing book about his experience. Yes. And, you know, he's 93 years old. He lived a full life. Yeah. Uh, but, and, it really, and he created a lot of stuff. And created a lot of stuff. And next year, uh, and it's the first time an English-language version of Yokai, his number one mm. uh, comic, is, uh, is, is uh, scheduled to come, come out. Coming out, yes. And DAQ's been publishing the, those massive yeah. histories of yes. Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Showa, 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 which is kind of considered incredible. his masterpiece. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, one of the greats. Okay, well, that's I it guess. for this week. But there'll be more to come. <laughs>